This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. From the Willow Window Broadcast Center. Willow Window. Making your home beautiful again with replacement windows, doors, and decks. Online at willowwindow.pro. Now live from NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. This has been a very unusual weekend, Greg Tucker. It's deep this morning. Yes, and, and well, it's, it's a whole lot deeper yesterday. I, I don't know. It's the first time I've ever seen the Manchester Highway underwater, I, and I've been out there a long time. But uh, I, I registered at, at uh, on my phone where I live uh, over eight inches of rain uh, during that storm, and I have never seen it. It was like my house was sitting in the very middle of a lake, and I tried to get out, and and uh, um, they the I think I want to thank the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department. They had their cars out there, uh, keeping people from sinking in the water on Manchester Highway, and and I don't think anybody that lives out that way has ever seen anything like it. So. Uh, for all the people that were taking care of us uh, in law enforcement and first responders, everybody, I want to give them a, a great uh, attaboy for all the things that they did out there. Well, the rain out in Donald's Chapel was like you described. We have one advantage. We're at the headwaters up in the hills of Cripple Creek. So... You know, immediately after the rain, we had a lot of standing water, but within a couple of hours, uh, it's cleared and it's running down the creek, and then is a problem for people down in the low areas, but it drains real quickly when you're in the hills. Well, you and Metrohead are still young. Y'all get out there, and you wade around in bare feet down, uh, around the farm. That, that's pretty neat. Well, that's, it, that, that, that's good memories right there. That's why you live on a farm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can act like farmers. Yeah. Uh, on one sad note, I want to comment on those of us in the that are or have been uh, interested in antique cars, collecting, rebuilding, renovating. Uh, one of our best resources is struggling. Uh, Ralph Puckett is over at uh, the hospital, and uh, we're concerned. Uh, the news from the family is, is not encouraging, at least it wasn't during the weekend. So those of you that know Ralph and appreciate Ralph like I do, uh, a bit of a prayer would be appropriate now, uh, either to help him overcome it or to help him ease through it. Uh, we don't know what to expect, but uh, I know when uh, I foolishly decided I needed to add a Model T to my collection. Uh, if it hadn't been to Ralph, it would have sat forever in the corner of the garage. But uh, he came over, worked with me, and we tore it down. Amazing. I think he had probably rebuilt by then a dozen of the Model Ts plus uh, several other types that he knew very well. And uh, when he brought one of his cars to a car show, we knew who was going to be best in class. Uh, but... Uh, a little bit of a prayer for our, our friend, Ralph Puckett. You've been blessed. Uh, you've made a lot of close friends since you moved back into Rutherford County. And uh, coming from a place like Washington... Uh, Had to relearn my manners, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it has been special. <clears throat> hey, hon. How are you doing? 
Hey there. What in the world you got? Okay, I have a card for you. And this is what I said I was working on. That I was going to have on display at our washed out event on Saturday. Yeah. At the Northside Baptist Church. But I wanted you to see it. But I want it back because I want to show the county when they take it tonight. We have a DAR visitor. Uh, Truman will explain in a minute. Oh, see, my goodness. So these are the 14. Oh. Who were killed in Vietnam during those years. Uh-huh. And I have an alphabetic order. And I was going to try and use that display case, but I thought you might want to read their names today. Yes, and and, and I know many of these. Yeah. Uh, so they're in the front here. The names are all listed. Okay. Now, do you have a picture of each one of them in yes. here? Yes. Uh, Mark Albert uh, Babson, Jr., Robert Ray Boyd, he was in my class. Okay. Uh, George William Burkhart, who was in my class. Uh, Joseph Lyons Chestnut, <coughs> and uh, he's the first one in the U.S. Air Force. Uh, all the rest of these were in the Army. Uh, Larry Don Earls, I remember him. Ronald John Inslee, Jr., USA. Joe Ray Raymond Fulgham, I remember him very well, uh, Jr., uh, Robert Oliver Grant, uh, I think his nickname was Butch, just like mine, was in the U.S. Marine Corps. Uh, James Timothy Luzinski, uh, all of these are, I believe, in the U.S. Army except for the uh, uh, Grant. Uh, uh -huh. Billy Lee Miller, uh, Fred Evans Mitchell III, William Brandon O'Keefe, uh, George D. Osborne, Eugene Merrill Woodson, and um, all this was put together by Kimberly King, is that correct? Commander of the VFW Post uh, 10904 in Manchester. Yes. And uh, Andrea, it, it, of course, uh, you were on my show just recently, right. Andrea was, Calfi, and you guys do such a wonderful job of honoring our uh, guys that have paid the price for uh, well over 200 years. So you, you go back and you do all that work and uh, when will, where are these going to be on display? Because I can tell you, I remember uh, it, it, probably two thirds of these. I was hoping that maybe the county display, uh, county, um, the courthouse, they got that big case in the lobby. Yes. And I've used it for other, you know, they've allowed me to um, put a Constitution Week very uh -huh. limited, but I was thinking if we could lay these out and if people could see them, they could come and visit. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, a number of these, uh, I don't think they even have any family left. and But a lot of us remember them at, for, for the friendships that we all had over all those years. And uh, th this is special. Yeah, and there's, that's, this is for you. Oh, thank you, hon. today is the... The day that we remember the veterans. Nine million Americans who served uh, over the all the, the decades. And, but th this is the Vietnam War Veterans Day March the 29th. Yeah, I wrote a little message on the back. Uh, thank you for your... Well, don't be thanking me. But but we want to thank them. They're the ones that really reached out. And and we do need to remember them in, uh, in our minds and in our hearts because they're the ones that made this country great. Yeah. And, uh, and I really appreciate that, hon. Okay. Well, I got a very nice note now. Oh, okay. And I think he tried to come up to the Baptist Church uh -huh. Saturday morning, and I almost got flooded myself on Rutherford Boulevard. So Not a good day to be out yesterday. No, we didn't. We canceled like yeah. 9.15, but some people did show up, and I feel terrible that yeah. they did that. But he wrote a very nice um, note and, and described his service. I think yeah. we have to have a big party for all the guys, you know? You need to so do that. Don't, shouldn't we have a nice, like, just a 
banquet or something and just let everybody hang out. And yeah, and, and, and invite, uh, uh, openly invite all the families of, yeah. of all of these Vietnam veterans. Yeah. That's special. Yeah. You're such, a, you're such a good lady. Okay, listen. And I enjoyed your husband, John. I really enjoyed him last week. Another one of our Vietnam vets. Yep. And I was a Navy wife for three years. I worked at the uniform, at the Navy Exchange uniform shop at Pearl Harbor. Ooh. About three months to raise money so I could fly over to see him for R&R &R in Hong Kong. Yeah. I did that, but I used to sell. I used to make the ribbon bars, and then you know, sell socks to admirals and stuff like that. So sell socks to admirals. Sell socks to admirals. Yeah, they come. Did you, Did you ever leave the uh, uh, the area where the toes stick out? And <laughs> I don't know. No. Okay. <laughs> well, it was right. The, the exchange uniform shop was right next door to where the McCain's lived. Yeah. Admiral McCain was syntax. Son at that point a prisoner. So. Of course, we've got an admiral that lives right here in Rutherford County. Admiral, really? Uh -huh. Taylor. Yeah, Admiral Jimmy Taylor. Oh. Uh huh. From Rear Admiral, yes. Oh, for heaven's sake. Yeah, amazing. He, he commanded the Blue Angels for yeah part of he his started career. it. Yeah, he started the uh, Top Gun. He lives in Smyrna, in the Smyrna area. Wow. Yeah. And one of the most, one of the more amazing people I've ever met in my life. That is incredible. Yeah. Well, uh, you have somebody that that has done so much for this country and and so bright and still keeps up with everything, and mm. people don't even know he lives here. I know. Yeah. I also have this because I asked the maybe Greg's been there, the Medal of Honor Heritage Center down in Chattanooga. It's a new. It opened a year ago. It's above. The Puckett's restaurant across the street from the aquarium in Chattanooga. Uh huh. John and I went there in November around Thanksgiving. They sent—I asked them to send me brochures describing the place. They sent me a fundraising brochure. Wow. So anyway, but it's—it's it's a neat, a neat place to visit. Um, yeah. And they have very good displays about the various winners, and um, you know, the first—the first of the uh, Medal of Honors was after the Civil War. The recipients were people from the Civil War. After the what? Mm -hmm. No, there was not a Civil War. That's the War of Yankee Aggression. Yankee aggression. The war. Yeah. She's Yank from up north. Oh, Yankees wow. got all the medals of honor, too, for that period. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I'll leave you, and I'll try and get these out at the county and see what they do. Thank you very much, honey. Okay. I appreciate it. And I appreciate what all of you do over there. I'm reminded of uh, a current historic society project to recognize a veteran, uh, Thomas Blanton, a veteran of the Revolutionary War, who came to Rutherford County, made his home here in Rutherford County. And we've talked about it before, but uh, Mayor Ketron, uh, his home is on the site of the Blanton home. Uh, and at the adjacent property is where the Blanton grave was. Well, the grave is still there, but uh, we learned that the marker on the grave had been vandalized or destroyed. It's on the other side of the fence, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the next property from uh, Mayor Ketron's home property. Yeah. Uh, and we have... I've got a cousin who's over here, too, Helen Brown. Yeah, we have gotten all the pieces... And Jacob Shaw, graduate of the MTSU program in concrete management, mm -hmm. uh, has worked with us and come up with a design how we can use the pieces and uh, protect them and at the same time have the site marked once again. Uh, interesting. It's broken in such a way that standing it back up as a standing uh, marker uh, wouldn't work. Yeah. But uh, Shaw has designed a way to have it angled up maybe 12 or 15 inches at the head so you can read it, mm -hmm. uh, but embed the pieces in another slab.
so we're looking forward to getting that done. But we're right now waiting for a response from the out-of-town, out-of-state property owners. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we want to get them aboard and committed uh, so it'll be protected in the future. Aren't and, we blessed that the history still uh, is being maintained here in a proper fashion? Uh, efforts are made. Yeah. And, you know, some, there are some losses, some very regrettable losses, but uh, when we can, try to recover a little. And I, the Blanton story is interesting because of the uh, connection with Rutherford County, but it also pleases me an opportunity to recognize uh, one of the fighting men. Blanton was a private mm -hmm. in uh, several of the battles where Washington, George Washington was actually in charge. Uh, some of those early battles up in the Northeast uh, before Blanton came down this way. And Blanton's interesting because he applied for his p pension when that became available and had no documentation. So apparently had to go through the process of finding superior officers getting them to give affidavits or testify because he did not or had not retained his own documentation. Mm -hmm. But apparent, eventually his uh, right to a pension was recognized. So he's on all the uh, Revolutionary War rosters now. Uh, and and has, we think we have a hard time getting yeah, all, that, all those records together. Yeah. Uh, as we know that in 1934... Uh, the grave was decorated by the DAR, one of the local chapters here. Mm -hmm. uh, but then all that disappeared over time. And uh, when we do finally get back to placing the markers back on or near the graves, uh, the DAR is going to mark it again with the medallion. So hopefully future generations will appreciate what's there, what, what it means. We, uh, and, and all the ladies that are listening to the show today, uh, it, it, we don't want the DAR to ever go backwards. We want them to continue to grow because of the history of our uh, country. And those of you that uh, are interested, you, ne you need to get a, uh, in touch with the DAR. And uh, it, it's a uh, fact-finding uh, mission in, in a way of all the the people that are in your family, the family trees, and it goes back to uh, our original uh, war. And, uh, uh, but it continues on as they're the ones that make sure that our veterans are recognized for all the things that they've done for our communities and in our country especially. And let me remind people about the uh, project support that you can get through the Rutherford County Historic Society. Uh, if you have a family cemetery or uh, a cemetery on property uh, that you want to protect, restore, uh, you can go to the Historic Society and uh, have their board review the plan and your project. And the uh, Historic Society will then provide for fundraising through the uh, tax-exempt status that the Historic Society has. We're using that for the Blanton Fund. It does take a few dollars to repair and, and preserve uh, the markers and such. And uh, if the Historic Society feels it has historic value for the county, uh, they will set up a fund and contributors can then give to the Historic Society earmarked for the particular cemetery fund and all the contributions are then tax-exempt. And the easiest way to get there, as far as I'm concerned, is leave Broad Street right there at the roundabout. And uh, the only trouble is when you're coming back out, if you come back that way again, the light may never change because I sat there for five minutes this morning. But anyway, uh, as you take the roundabout and going over toward where the MAC is, the Murfreesboro Athletic Center, it's right on your left before you get down there. It's 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 kind of where the old uh, what are we, what are you talking Rutherford about? County Education uh, Building was. You're talking about the archives. Yeah. The county archives. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that what you were talking about? No. I never can understand what you, which direction you're The going. Rutherford County Historic Society is at 717 North Academy. 
Well, that's the little uh, school building. Yeah, the old uh, Ransom school building. That's where you go on Saturdays yeah. and, and you drink coffee and and, and get to uh, have good conversation with all the hopefully people histori- that are coming in. historically oriented. Uh, yeah, yeah. You were describing the location of the archives and our Monday meetings because of the number of people involved will return to the archives when the work is completed there. Mm-hmm. I had occasion to visit it last week and got a brief tour, and uh, we've got three a three-story addition to the archives, all set up to retain hard copy records, real documents, paper. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went into the ground floor and was impressed how much space is being allotted there. And there are two more floors above it with the same. So I ask our archivist, uh, John Lodel, how long do you expect before all this would be filled? And he says, I hope it goes at least 20 years because wow. that's what I told the county commission. In 20 years, we'll have to look for more space, but this will take care of us for about 20 years. Do you have property you can add on to there? I believe this has pretty much exhausted the property right there unless... The county, uh, what do you call it, operations building, mm-hmm. is either added to or or replaced, and part of it is going to be vacated. I believe I understand, so it may be available. That's one of the buildings. A little. Uh, it used to be uh, fronting on Memorial. Mm-hmm. Now it fronts on a wall that supports the bridge. Uh, but uh, it's a great location if you can. Especially if you can expand yeah. it over there. Well, of course, the convenient way to get into it is go past the archives from the side street you were talking about, mm-hmm. which is, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the street, Olive Street, is that it? I have no idea. It's, All I know, it's a roundabout. Yeah, come off the roundabout yeah. and, and you're yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, Mentioning uh, the mayor, I recently uh, wrote a letter to the mayor. It's one of the functions, apparently, of the uh, my position as county historians. When there's an issue, uh, we try to address and uh, document. And there, in connection with a, a project that really pleases me, is the con- using some of the space being vacated in the courthouse as a museum, mm-hmm. a museum of our local history. Uh, And in so doing, there will be public access primarily on the south side where there's now a ramp Mm -hmm. coming up to it. Uh, But a question was raised by, uh, well, I guess Ben Mankin, who's in charge of our building maintenance. He does a great job. Oh, yeah, and and he's the one I go to when i got a question that we need to get into something. But uh, there is the American with Disabilities Act, which specifies access and gives in specific uh, uh, terms how access is to be maintained. And when you're dealing with a building as old as the courthouse built in the 1850s, the doors aren't quite as wide as the the ADA statute Mm -hmm. requires. Uh, So we examined it and considered the, uh, the loss versus the compliance. And uh, fortunately, the public access door will be on the south side in the addition that was put in in 1960s. Uh, they would call the south side wing on the courthouse. Mm-hmm. So the main entrance to the museum area will be off there. That door built in 1960s, I believe 62 was the exact year, uh, is wide enough to accommodate the uh, ADA requirements. 30, a full 36 inches. Uh, the doors off the old hallways in the center of the courthouse are about an inch and a half uh, small. Mm-hmm. So uh, an analysis of what would be involved in increasing the doors just enough to meet that, you'd have to take out all the frame on at least the top and the one side Um, probably both sides because you have to hinge the door. You'd have to replace all that with modern materials. You'd have to replace the door. You can't stretch a door. You have to replace the door. Mm -hmm. And the damage that would be done to the interior wall, which is made of horsehair plaster over wood uh, superstructure, infrastructure, uh, would be such that there would be 
if we could find an artisan that could do it in such a way that it would appear to be the hist the old historic doors, the cost would be prohibitive to try to recover all that. So uh, we have opined that uh, under the circumstances, the concern for the historic integrity of the building and the access complying at uh, the main area, the other doors are not essential. In fact, may not even be used. But uh, we wrote to the architect uh, for his file a uh, conclusion that the historic aspects of the property should not be compromised for this modest concern. And uh, I talked to the architect, Bart Klein, and uh, he says, I just need something for my file so mm -hmm. we can show that we have studied and explored that as is required. You know, it, the way things were done in certain areas, in certain times, um, to me, that, that, that would supersede any thing that you'd be looking at to make changes. Well, particularly when the architectural uh, character of the building is what's really historic, mm -hmm. plus what's happened in the building, of course, the years that it was a judiciary center and all. Uh, but uh, the architectural integrity of the building is an important consideration, and that's what we're trying to protect yeah. here. There's nothing that catches my attention more than looking at the courthouse at 5.30 and 6 o'clock in the morning when the lights are on, and it, it just... It just takes over the, uh, the entire area as you look up on the square. It, it, it's amazing. And uh, we, we don't want to ever lose the, those valuable assets that we have. Remind me of something else that has been pending for quite a while uh, involving the Sam Davis property. Mm -hmm. uh, the last we learned is that the final decision rests with a federal agency. And uh -oh. that agency is the National Park Service. Mm -hmm. So the National Park Service, through some of its offices, and specifically the office that does the historic designation, mm -hmm. National Registry of Historic Properties, the Sam Davis property is on that. And the aspect of the property that is uh, at risk was part of the property when it was designated as a historic property mm -hmm. to be preserved. So the ultimate, um, I'm told by uh, Mike, uh, who has followed it, in fact, is responsible for pushing it up to that level, that the uh, National Park Service is the one that will make a final decision about uh, preserving the historic dam there on the Sam Davis property. Let's hope they stay with uh, uh, history and kind of um, close their eyes a little bit to well, the political the, agendas that are yeah, going on. The, uh, the courthouse illustrates the same situation. The courthouse is on the National Registry. Mm -hmm. So that gives a lot of weight to the preservation argument that yeah. uh, it has been so deemed on a national basis. And... Uh, you know, why should we be sacrificing part of that when, you know, there's not an urgent need uh, or importance there? Well, uh, history has such a, a, a great, uh, in fact, uh, if, if we ignore history, we're, we're really being uh, 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 not very consistent to what the, the, uh, the way our country grows. And there's something really happened on this Mars trip that you know about and uh, your uh, sweet wife knows about probably more than anybody else uh, as far as what they have in Mars right now that most people don't even know. Uh, you're referring to the Mars probe that's landed, yes. That's yes. landed on Mars. Mm -hmm. And I saw that and at first I was kind of worried because it says part of the original... Wright Brothers airplane is now on Mars, and I thought, you know, how oh boy, we, it was a whole a whole lot stronger than we thought it yeah, was. Yeah, and how are we going to get it back <laughs> and put it back in the museum? But yeah. it turns out there's a small piece of fabric that is stitched or attached to the little helicopter that they're going to turn loose 
to survey uh, I guess the immediate area mm -hmm. it's uh, described as a uh, a uh, what do you call something that runs on its own a uh, little helicopter uh, and I guess it's going to take pictures but the patch Mm -hmm. from the Wright Brothers plane is yeah. attached to that. So it will fly again, but not in our atmosphere. Interesting that there's got to be some atmosphere there if they're talking about something flying. Yeah. Uh, as a, And it's described as a helicopter. So there must be an atmosphere there that's dense enough to to uh, you know carry a little weight. You think your dad would have loved to have been on that mission or on one that's coming up? Where, where they'll spend time there. I, I don't know if he'd want to be on the mission, but he certainly would be following the news <clears throat> very closely. Yeah. Very closely. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned some about accommodating our, our past. I came across a quote. It was actually recently in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, <clears throat> we would do well to recall Winston Churchill's words. Winston Churchill, in my opinion, was one of the three or four geniuses, really, yes. of the 20th century. He saved England. He saved England, but he also was a, his history of the, his history writings are incredible. Yes. He was also an artist. He was a statesman. He's just an amazing individual. But he said on one occasion, of this I am quite sure, that if we open a quarrel between the past and the present, we shall find that we have lost our future. Yeah. You and I have touched on that point, I think, many times. Yeah. That uh, when we start judging past activity on the basis of today's standards or, or beliefs or morals, you know, we are just destroying and accomplishing nothing. What uh, did he also say about the weakness of democracy? Yeah. <laughs> He he saw what uh, has proven to be true that yeah. uh, you know I forget his exact characterization but he was worried about the result of the uh, democratic process. Yeah. Uh, you and I have talked about how one of the weaknesses that I think Rousseau recognized even before Churchill was that sooner or later the voter figures out that he can vote himself a free ride. Yeah. And he'll do it. And we've seen the results of it. Yep. Yeah. Well, full now. See, last week we read a letter that mentioned uh, Dr. Murphy, and we figured out that uh, it was referring to one who, in fact, the word in the letter was killed in 1943. And we're curious as to just what the circumstances were. Now, this Dr. Murphy would be the great-grandson of uh, Colonel Hardy Murphy, a revolutionary hero, and the uh, son, we believe, of J.B. Murphy, the uh, Confederate Surgeon General, mm -hmm. Associate Surgeon General. Uh, and he was described in the letter as the only surgeon in Rutherford County at that time. Well, I did have occasion to research that down, and... Uh, as we speculated, he was killed in an auto accident, a car accident. Uh, interesting, he was the driver. He was the only one in the vehicle. And it was on a winter day, and the roads were icy. And he hit an icy spot on a bridge on his way to Woodbury uh, early morning. And... Uh, spun out the, the car rolled and he was found several hours later had died on the scene mm. uh, but he was on his way to Woodbury to assist uh, Dr. Adams oh. the uh, I guess the earliest Dr. Adams uh, mm. with surgery uh, in Woodbury and it was Doc Adams who obviously became concerned that his his friend and colleague did not show up, certainly unlike Dr. Murphy. And I believe from the account that I found, uh, Doc Adams, after the surgery was completed on his own, got in his car and went looking and found uh, the accident scene. And uh, that uh, 
let's see, we remember the next Dr. Murphy. Yes. Who Very would well. be, uh, I assume, the son of, of this one. If you go to Evergreen Cemetery, there's a couple of dozen Murphy graves. It takes a little while to figure out the relationships. It's amazing, the, the lineage of the Murphys. And I, I think uh, uh, if you look at uh, uh, Bob and Matt, uh, I think uh, that just about ended uh, all of them in, in each generation having someone that became a, a medical doctor. I think that was, uh, uh, of course, Matt was a, an attorney and a real, uh, one of the nicest people and, and someone that you could put 100% faith in. And then Bob, of course, went into the uh, banking business and, and uh, such a great guy. The whole family were. I mean, you didn't, you didn't, I, it's one of those where you look at all the lineage and you don't have a loser in there at all. And, and well, I guess we need to take a quick break. Right. I think that's what they're telling us. NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. It's what our members tell us we do every day. Whether it's a loan for a car you need to get to work, or saving for the future. Let us see if we can help. If you live, work, worship, or attend school in Rutherford, Bedford, or Marshall Counties, you can be a member of Heritage South. Visit our website, heritagesouth.org, to learn more. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. How are you feeling today? More than an empty question, it's a real reminder to reach out to coworkers, friends, family, and neighbors. Remind them to get the care they need. Someone you know may be delaying important emergency care, chronic care, or emotional care. At Ascension St. Thomas, appointments are available now with strict precautions in place for your safety and our care. Ask about virtual visits. ERs at Ascension St. Thomas hospitals are open 24-7. Get the care you need at GetSTHealthCare.com. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street, across from the tall NHC building. We've expanded our store. We've increased it about 600 square feet. We would just be very excited for everybody to come check us out. Proceeds from sales benefit Greenhouse Ministries, a faith-based nonprofit serving the underserved here in Murfreesboro. We were able to put merchandise into our store that we previously haven't had displayed. Maternity clothes, scrubs, activewear, pajamas. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street in downtown Murfreesboro. It's Christy here with Fleet Feet. Last year, our last fun run was St. Patrick's Day. So what better way to relaunch our fun runs? Join us March 13th, 7 a.m. for our fun run. Best Rest Award will be selected. Fleet Feet Fun Run, following Rutherford Responsibility Guidelines. Fleet Feet, next door to Carabas. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Rutherford County Fire Rescue Crews responded to more than 30 water rescue calls between Saturday and Sunday because of the nonstop rain. Crews rescued 12 people. Officials say Williamson County had over 55 road closures countywide due to flooding overnight. Emergency crews across the county responded to more than 34 water rescue calls, including abandoned vehicles, home evacuations, and stranded travelers over that weekend period. Several off-duty firefighters being hailed as heroes for saving a person from the Duck River Sunday morning. Off-duty firefighters with Franklin, Columbia, and Murray County Fire Departments responded to a call about a person stuck on top of a vehicle in the river. Firefighters then gathered life jackets and used a civilian boat to help rescue the person from the river. Emergency crew managers reminding motorists to avoid driving through high water. 
As the number of people getting COVID-19 vaccination increases, the outlook among Tennessee consumers has also improved noticeably as we head into the spring and summer months. According to the latest statewide survey by Middle Tennessee State University, the Tennessee Overall Outlook Index is now at 1 in positive territory, up considerably from the minus 58 score in December. The information published by the Office of Consumer Research and the Jennings A. Jones College of Business at MTSU. Middle Tennessee State's Stones River Chambers players will celebrate spring and conclude their 2021 performance season with a free concert, Commonality, broadcast Tuesday on the School of Music's live stream YouTube channel. The performance from Hinton Hall's stage inside MTSU's Wright Music Building will air beginning at 4 p.m. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Discount Mattress is on the move, and great news for you. To reduce moving costs, all remaining inventory is being liquidated. Stop in today at 1614 Northwest Broad Street near the Georgetown Kroger to take advantage of the huge price reductions on their already discounted prices. Discount Mattress has been serving Murfreesboro's mattress needs since 2001, is locally owned and operated, and excited to offer these reduced prices prior to their move. Don't wait. Stop by today. Discount Mattress at the corner of Northwest Broad and Northfield. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Skies become mostly sunny here this afternoon with a high in the mid-60s. Southeast winds at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 40. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 40. Premier 6 Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Popcorn, pop fresh daily. Their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Premier 6 on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Greg Tucker. This is always my one of my favorite days in the week because we get together, get to share a lot of memories, and and uh, and sometimes these memories go way back. But uh, uh, there's nothing like good friendship. Friendship is the best thing in the world. So uh, those of you that are out there, uh, don't forget even one day a friend because it, it really does make a a big difference in your life. All right. Where are we, big boy? Mr. Greg Tucker. <laughs> we're at Adams Place. And oh, it looks like we we're are. sitting in the dining room. And you were talking about Dr. Adams and and um, well, obviously this is this is part of the history of the yeah, Adams family. Yeah. And uh, not not the not the one on television, but the I believe the, and one of the Adams can call in and, and correct me, but the uh, Adams family's history in medicine begins in Bradaville. Hmm. And uh Probably the doctor that uh, was the friend of the Dr. Murphy we're talking about mm-hmm. is the one that was there. But it may have been uh, even his elder. But I know there's a house that we've talked about in Bradaville mm-hmm. that some of the senior members of the community called the hospital because it was he practiced. He had his clinic practice there in in the uh, in the house. Uh, let's see, when I dropped by the archives a few days ago, John Lodel asked me about uh, Native American history in the area that someone was inquiring about or they were doing some research on. And mm-hmm. I said, well, uh, this was not a, uh area where the Indians had their villages, or their, but they used it as a hunting area. And one of the more colorful characters, and certainly more important, is uh, one we call Chief Black Fox. He had another actual Indian name, but he was known around as Chief Black Fox. And I said, what uh, I think is fascinating is that he actually got a U.S. government pension, so to speak, or wow. annuity. 
And uh, a woman over there working with him says, yes, I saw something about that. I believe it was 1791. And I said, no, I believe it was uh, about 10, 15 years later because Rutherford County existed at that time. Mm -hmm. And then I went back and did some research uh, back in one of my favorite places where we have all the old bound newspapers. And John has now got them up on shelves so you can find them fairly quick by date. And uh, as I was leaving, uh, the, the uh, young lady came up and said, you're right. And she found, I guess on the internet, it's amazing what you can do on that, an item that is the act that gave the uh, black fox his annuity or his pension. Mm -hmm. uh, we... I wrote an article where I pointed out that the, the, the myth, the legend of Black Fox uh, overrides and hides what's really some fascinating history. The legend is that uh, he, well, there's two or three different stories. One is that uh, he uh, was in battle with the uh, militia of the settlers, and to avoid being captured, he jumped into the what we call the Black Fox Camp Spring, mm -hmm. and swam underground through the water course till he came to the Murphy Spring. Uh, a second story that we find in uh, the Goodspeed history, which is told with a tongue-in-cheek, uh, but a little different, that the battle was between two Indian groups, and Black Fox was losing Same the battle. Same no, it was uh, one of the com a competitive tribe of black. Black Fox was Cherokee. Yeah. The Chickasaw and the Creek contested okay. the area. A lot of times people forget that. Yeah. And uh, he was on the losing side of the battle, according to this story. And so he, rather than being captured, he jumped in and was never seen again. Went down and basically committed suicide rather than being captured. Mm -hmm. Uh, neither story works. First, the story of him swimming underground uh, on up to Murfreesboro overlooks the fact that the Black Fox Spring is where the water came from the south to the surface. And from there to Murfreesboro, it's a creek on the top of the you know, surface water, mm -hmm. not underground. So obviously if he, had to, if he swam to Murfreesboro, he did it on the top of the water. Uh, the one that says he perished is obviously not correct because we have documentation of his activity in, on into the next century in the 1800s. Uh, he is the Cherokee, was it uh, the leading Cherokee chieftain for a period right in that time. And in fact, if you go to East Tennessee, you can find several other places that he's identified with as part of the Cherokee nation. But he is the one who signed the agreement between the United States and the Cherokee Nation, which gave to the white settlers virtually all of the land north of the Tennessee River, which had been acknowledged as the Cherokee lands, mm -hmm. holding quite a bit in Georgia and, and uh, Mississippi, Alabama, and that area, but uh, signed that. But part of the agreement was that he would, for the rest of his life, be paid an annual fee, annuity, pension, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and uh, he ended up in Oklahoma when mm -hmm. the tribes were moved to Oklahoma. Uh, but he continued to receive $100 every year. $100 in 1806 was a pretty good stipend. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so as far as I know, he's the first and perhaps the only of the early American, the Native Americans, to by an act of Congress uh, to be uh, given a uh, annual payment for the rest of his life. And the last part of the act, the act, uh, well, let me just read it. It's an act making appropriations for carrying into effect certain treaties with the Cherokee and Piankahaw Shaw Indian tribes of Indians. I'm not familiar with that tribe, mm -hmm. being enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled, 
that for carrying into effect a convention between the United States and the Cherokee Nation of Indians, the following sums to be paid out of any monies in the Treasury, not otherwise appropriate, be and the same hereby are appropriate, that is to pay to the said Cherokee Nation $2,000. That's a one-time payment. And the further annual sum of $2,000 for four years, effectively. And to the Cherokee chief, called the Black Fox, the annual sum of $100 during his natural life. So the other uh, people who were part of the tribe received nothing other than that uh, first uh, amount to the They are paid nation. originally that one-time payment of $2,000. Yeah. And then... Uh, a further annual sum of 2000 for four years. So 2000 it sounds like we're talking about 10000 total that went to the tribe over a period of five years. Which went to what for the tribe? To the Cherokee, it just says to be paid to the Cherokee Nation. And then separately is the $100 payment to Black Fox for every year for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. uh, and he lived into the 1820s, so he collected a few dollars over that time. And I would presume that he controlled where that money went to also. Oh, the uh, yeah, as the chief, he probably had something to say about that. Yeah, I would think so. In fact, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, indicate where the check is mailed. But, uh, in fact, in those days, it probably was delivered in uh, hard currency. Yeah. Because there was not even any paper money back then, except what IOU you might write to somebody. Can you imagine leaving this area and then going to Oklahoma, which was still an area that uh, very little progress had been made uh, during that particular time in the state of Oklahoma? Oh, Oklahoma was not only undeveloped was considered at that time to be uh, not not particularly valuable land so yeah. they were willing to to deal with the Indians on that uh, and uh, I have read accounts since then when they uh, first discovered the value of oil mm -hmm. that suddenly Oklahoma was very important uh, but most of the Indians got only nominal return from it because the uh, mm. developers or oil, uh, those controlling the industry, got out there and made quick deals to get the uh, mineral rights. And uh, the Indians didn't get that much, but some did because there's some stories about uh, millionaire families among the Indian tribes as a result of the uh, discovery of oil fields there. But that was very limited. I've always wondered, how did mineral rights become part of the deed process in people buying land? Because I have, uh, now you know there has to be an attorney somewhere that put their thumbs on that and, and, and had it uh, uh, being part of the process yeah. of buying land. Well, there's, a, there's an element of risk, but I can see the uh, farmer 200, uh, 150 years ago, someone comes on probably uh, in this area, the 1920s is when a lot of the mineral rights were being traded and bought. Mm -hmm. Someone comes on a property and says, uh, uh, we think there may be uh, crude oil mm -hmm. under your property, and then uh, we're going to drill a hole and, and see, and uh, won't affect what you're doing on the surface. Uh, which is usually misleading. Yeah. Uh, and uh, many of the uh, farms in this area have, or at one time had, uh, deed provisions where they have sold the mineral rights mm -hmm. separate from the surface rights. And uh, I have myself been involved with one piece of property where we had to go to court and get the mineral rights extinguished yeah. In order to be able to give clear title, clean title, uh, if we sell it to someone else. And uh, there is in Tennessee a reasonably uh, uh, burdensome uh, process to uh, uh, extinguish 
mineral rights. And it involves uh, them not being used, worked, or developed for a certain number of years. I forget what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can show that there's been no attempt to uh, exercise dominion over mineral rights, then uh, you can have it extinguished. For the future, would that be a, a smart thing to do if you own property, to have that extinguished for, you never know what's going to happen uh, uh, 20, 40, 100 years from now. As property changes hands, I think most of them are being extinguished. But it's interesting to look back in the records and you see uh, one name that comes up is Bell. He was the uh, Murfreesboro Bank and Trust, or the uh, Murfreesboro Bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, was he started off as a teller and chief teller and eventually was president of the bank. A lot of the mineral rights that were being purchased in that period, he was involved with, either in his name or as part of a group that were buying them. And that was when there was some suspicion that there would be uh, oil reserves or gas reserves uh, under Rutherford County. As it turned out, there are, but none of it is commercially uh, viable in terms of extraction and and, uh, what's there but uh, you I know once lived on one area yes. where that was being done uh, and there's still some evidence of the uh, drilling that went on there on uh, Eventide yep. over in that area uh, which you were mentioning was kind of swampy marsh very swampy very marshy yeah area. well that might have been part but of I it. loved it over there yeah great place to live and then what used to be the Jimmy C. Newman farm out in my area yeah, was drilled farm. quite a bit. Uh, but in every case, it was not commercially uh, viable uh, to try to extract. They did find some evidence, particularly gas, out in the southeast area. But uh, And then, of course, there was uh, uh, on beyond uh, the Big Springs area up in the hills there, there is some... Uh, uranium deposit but same conclusion it's not rich enough to be commercially uh, attractive Uh, but there is a particular type of soil or terrain where they we know from exploration that there's some uranium deposits and you never know you never know that's if uh, it became commercially attractive I suspect the uh, mineral rights are still there on the uranium. Uh, if uh, if I had the rights, I would do whatever I need to to, to protect that. I think on the oil and gas, uh, they pretty much walked away from it. Well, you never know. Little Cora, by that time, when she's of an older age, um, you, you remember that Robert Mitchum did some exploring in Tennessee looking for, for uh, oil. Is that right? Yeah, and, and they did find it, but just I th- it's exactly like you mentioned it. Uh, it's there, but but uh, it, it's, it's really too hard of an endeavor to even go in at this particular time, but you never know. Yes. <laughs> what else we got? Well, I have I have got to go get my uh, uh, fingerprints done so that I can uh, receive my uh, well, now uh, explain, retired law enforcement. Explain uh, to me, you spent your career in law enforcement. You were in the military. They take your fingerprints in mm-hmm. all those situations. Why do you have to do it again? Do they think you've changed your prints or they change with age? You know, I have no idea. I'm sure the FBI has a file on you. It's got your fingerprints in it. I, well, you would think so, but... I know my father's fingerprints are in the uh, Pentagon somewhere. Yeah. Military. But but you, you start trying to locate those fingerprints, <laughs> and then you got a different ball game altogether, well, which I find amusing in, in a way, because I've got all of these things that I have my... Uh, ID tied to, and you can't find it. Of course, they had a big fire. In, what was it in St. Louis that that destroyed a lot of our records? The uh, people who had been in the service. 
Service records? Yes, it been well, a years ago. And, I should and check and see if I'm still on file. I didn't know we had burned up some of them. Uh, you probably are still on file. Yeah, uh, U.S. I'm Navy. not going to say for what, but I bet you are. I think the only time I've been fingerprinted was when I joined the Navy. Oh, I wow. know they did that then, but uh, otherwise I've been pretty much out of trouble. So, you, that's right, you were in the Navy. You were at the Battle of Midway, right? No. <laughs> no. No? Uh -uh. Well, I guess that's about it, because um, I do have to travel over to the, the fingerprint. Well, we're um, I, I think we've run out of time, yeah. and I uh, look forward to next week. Oh, I always look forward to it. Nothing like friendship, guys. All right, we will see you in the morning at 9 o'clock again. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Since 1981, Willow Windows been making homes beautiful all over Tennessee. From decks and railings to doors and windows. Visit willowwindow.pro. Willow Window, the official sponsor of the WGNS Studios. willowwindow.pro.